Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Throne for a Loss. I like that. I like that pun right there in the title. It always felt really weird to me. Like, it felt like a really forced pun. But I'm excited to talk about this episode. I really like this episode. Throne as in what a king sits on. Right. Yes. So this is a uh, fish guy episode. Yes, this is uh, this is our first Rigel-centric episode. Mm. Are you adding that it's not really Rigel-centric? Yeah, I mean, I guess he has the main plot, kind of. I remember this being way more of him and that guy in the prison cell next to him, but that's really kind of a small part of the episode. I feel like this is the first episode where we get interesting... Well, you know what? I was going to say it's the first time we get some interesting emotional range from Rigel, but we kind of got that in the last episode. I'm just saying, like, it feels like his plotline takes up the exact same amount of time as Zan molesting that teenager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt bad saying, because you were like, boy, Zan's really not big on the consent this episode. And I was like, oh, no, I like Zan. I think her plotline's cool. And then... And then the non-consensual kissing. And not just non-consensual kissing, but non-consensual kissing for the purpose of non-consensually drugging someone. Yeah. Zan crosses some pretty major moral lines here, but... Yeah, but I want to point out what I said was not Zan doesn't understand the concept of consent. It's Zan doesn't care about consent. No, I said Zan doesn't understand the concept of agency, which is a bigger thing, and I will talk about it in more detail when we get to it. Mm, it's especially not good if you're a telepath. Or telepath adjacent, if well, you're a... Yeah, I guess I should have said she doesn't care, not that she doesn't understand. Yeah. 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 She's a pa'u... Yes, she's a Pau. Yeah. I, since we're talking about Zan real quickly, though, uh, some of her darkness that we'll see later is really foreshadowed in this episode. Which I think is maintaining why she is, major character flaws aside, or actually major character flaws included, why she is still one of my favorite characters on the show. Well, and I mean, as long as we're talking about Zan's darkness, mm-hmm. real quick, this episode was written by Richard Manning. Mm-hmm. And this will mean nothing to you, but this episode is a fairly staid affair as far as Farscape episodes go. But Richard Manning wrote some of the really off-the-rails episodes that I really love. And so our listeners who are already who have already watched Farscape will know when I say that he wrote that old Black Magic, Won't Get Fooled Again, and Incubator. And that old Black Magic is the one where we really get into... Some of the darkness in Zan for the first time. Which makes her a way more intriguing character than, say, Dargo. You know, I just... I just... Dargo sucks. You, We haven't really gotten into Dargo yet. The show hasn't figured out what Dargo's motivation is yet. He's... Like, a worse version of Worf. Yeah, it's... He's, he's so... like, somehow less competent Worf. And Worf is already, granted I haven't seen a ton of Star Trek, but basically every episode of Star Trek I've seen with Worf in it involves him getting knocked on his ass. Yeah, Dargo gets a lot more interesting. Well, he couldn't get less interesting. Ooh, fair. Uh, Since I brought up the writer, I should say this episode was also directed by Pino Amenta, who you will recall directed IET. Hmm, a lot of early episodes. Yeah. So are you ready to get into it? Yeah. This is one of the... uh, Possibly the first episode that isn't sort of centered around something being wrong with the ship. Oh, 
I'm so glad you brought that up. So, of course, this episode is, in fact, centered around something being wrong with the ship. Yeah, because, I mean, it's an episode of a show about a spaceship. Of course, something has to be wrong with the ship. But the thing that's wrong with the ship is that Rigel stole a piece of the ship. And the thing about that is Rigel had to steal a piece of the ship because this is a show where, because of the other sci-fi convention that this show eschews, which is, oh, we're all on the same ship, so I guess we're all best friends now. If Rigel didn't have a piece of the ship, the rest of the plot wouldn't happen. They'd have all just left. Point. Solid point. So, But we, we'll get to that. Yes. So the episode opens with John arguing with Aaron about whether or not she's going to bring weapons to a trade agreement that they're going to go to. Yeah, they're going to go meet with an alien race called the Tavlex. John seems to have a weird amount of trouble with this word. I can't tell if he's being space racist. He or... is being space racist. And let me tell you why. It's a really easy word and they keep correcting him on it. it. He's just being rude by not getting it right. He will do that with basically every alien race that he meets. Yeah, John is a little, a little bit of a space racist and it is not a good look. Hmm. He keeps calling them the tabloids instead of the tablex. It's a pretty easy word to remember, John. I know, right? You're a scientist. I do like his new uniform, I guess. It feels like it's a take. Like, he's settled halfway between his outfit last episode. You know, the tight space pants and the tight white shirt. And he's thrown a vest over. Yeah, he's got some sort of Ayasa sweater vest. Oh, that's not right. That's not the right word. No, it's a regular vest. It's a regular vest. He's got some sort of Ayasa vest that he has on over his white t-shirt. You're right. It's a good look. Yeah. And it visually helps him contrast a lot with claudia black who is wearing black that's interesting that you said that i kind of want to put a pin in that all right for like five episodes from now okay so john is arguing with her about how you don't bring weapons to it it's not really a peace treaty they're it's a trade meeting it's a trade meeting they're talking about possibly transporting goods for the tablex right and uh Aaron's like, yeah, I'm going to bring my giant, giant gun. And he's like, well, that doesn't send a really peaceful message. And she's like, we're doing business. It's not about peace. Yeah, we're not explorers. We're not diplomats. We're business people trying to do business. And we're not even that. We're criminals trying to do business. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Aaron here. I'm also with Aaron. And John goes on one of those less than charming things where he's talking about, he's like, this isn't time for your, you know, John Wayne bullshit. And then he just does a monologue about John Wayne movies. Which, there's a thing I see all the time with people holding up John Wayne as this, like, cornerstone of masculinity. He was an actor. He played a tough guy in movies, but he was a man who was paid to pretend to be other people. Well, he was also a real terrible human being. Oh, yeah. He was a massive racist, which... There, there was that interview someone dug up with him. Yeah, from it was like, an old Playboy interview from, I want to say, like, the 70s, maybe the 80s. Yeah, 70s or 80s, where he says a whole bunch of insanely racist, even for the time stuff. I mean, especially for the time. I, I really appreciate, though, the way that Aaron is just not here for his references she doesn't get anymore. She's like, she's not playing along. She's just like, okay, okay, whatever. So we go to the ship's cargo bay, mm-hmm. where we see that the plan is for Rigel to 
I was going to say pretend to be a dominar, but of course he is a dominar. He is the leader of his people. It's just that he's been deposed, but he's going to be pretend to be a leader and that this is his pleasure yacht and that they're going to take this contract, I guess. Yeah, like he's a dominar who's on his pleasure yacht that just happens to have some extra room if you need to have anything towed. It's not a great plan, you honestly. Know, I've watched this episode about a hundred times but now that i'm saying their plan out loud i'm like this is a terrible plan i mean don't incredibly rich people like to use their vacation vessels to haul illegal goods what like honestly that did not occur to me until i said out loud what their plan is this is a terrible plan Eh, whatever i mean I know they couldn't say that they were criminals, but couldn't they just be like, hey, we're, I don't know, a traveling band going across the universe if you want us to smuggle drugs for you or whatever. Right? I mean, they just needed to be like, we're just Han Solo in our beat up RV, which is who and what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Or do the Firefly thing. They're a cargo ship. Yeah, we're just smugglers. It's weird, too, because in a second, the Tavlocks are going to kidnap Rigel because they believe that he is... A king worth some large amount of money when obviously he's not or he wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Well, so I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So episode ruined. (laughs) So everyone's arguing about the best way to handle this situation. Everyone's telling, talking all over each other. I do love the round of incredibly unclever, no, you shut ups (laughs) that go around. Yeah, yes. They are arguing the way real people argue. (laughs) Cram it with walnuts ugly. But Rigel basically wants them to treat him with deference the way that they would treat him if he was actually their dominar. And no one else is putting up with that. But they all kind of pull it together when the Tavleks arrive. Zan's got a lot less of her patient hippie thing going on this episode. Yeah, she does. But I will say she has kind of a superior thing going on this episode. And it starts here, where she's like, am I the only creature in the universe who doesn't fight with everyone all the time? Am I the only species that doesn't thrive on conflict? (laughs) Which I don't love. We'll talk about that later, Zan. It's one of the things about elves that piss me off. Oh my god, Zan is very elvish. Elves and the Inhumans. I'm not going to get into that. Nobody likes the Inhumans. (laughs) So the Tavlex board, and I really like what they do with the cinematography. They, like, speed up the film. They do these really fast pans, and the soundtrack gets all, like, intense hard rock. It has a very action movie feel as the Tavlex come aboard and basically just immediately start shooting everybody, bag Rigel, and take off. Literally bag him. I do like the editing here. I pointed it out. It it struck me as weird, honestly, when we started it. And I'm like, but I don't think it's weird bad. It's just, I feel like I don't typically see this sort of sped up shot as a way to indicate action, really. Like, it's sort of throwing you into the feel of what it would be to be in this situation. It's sort of placing you in the situation in a way action movies don't really feel like they normally do, or action scenes. Oh, I see what you mean. It, it definitely, it's chaotic, but it's not, it's still very easy to follow the action, but... Yeah, it's chaotic, but it's not messy. Yes. And I want to point out that Dargo and Aaron are firing at these guys. 
And John comes up behind one of them and smashes him with a lead pipe and knocks him unconscious. John is the only one who gets a hit in. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dargo. Aren't you big warrior guy? You're... You have one job. You have one job. Well, that's what I'm saying. You'll like Dargo more when they give him more jobs that aren't being warrior guy. So... John manages to knock one of the Tavleks out, which causes his gauntlet. They all have these gauntlets on that are, like, firing beams and, like, doing gauntlet-y things. Hmm. John, when he knocks him out, the gauntlet comes off of his arm. And Dargo picks up the gauntlet and puts it on his own arm because it's a way better weapon than anything any of them have. And there's a kind of comical scene where he, like, thrusts his arm out but can't figure out how to work it. Also, the camera zooms in to show us that that the gauntlet has some sort of serum in it that injects into your skin. And Dargo will say that he felt needles go into his arm when he put it on. Mm-hmm. And I wrote in my notes, don't let the alien weapon inject you with an unknown serum. I can't believe I have to say this. All right. So I think this episode should have been sooner. Okay. I'm not sure if I want to hold off on talking about it until it starts coming up in the episode, but there's a lot of shit talking John here, which I feel like would make sense more if he hadn't literally been the only thing saving everyone on the crew for the past four episodes. Does this stop soon? Because it yes. really bothers me. It actually was blowing my mind how doubtful everyone is at John, considering how reliant on him they will become later. And how incompetent everyone else on the crew is. I mean, basically it's John, Pilot, Zan, Rigel, Aaron, Dargo. That's the list of competency so far. Okay, yes, Dargo's definitely last. Yes, John is definitely near the top. But Aaron needs to be higher up. You just have to understand that Aaron's competency is as an infantryman. I'm talking about things that they've actually done on the ship at this point. Yeah, but Aaron's competence is in executing plans, not in coming up with them, not in that kind of thing. I'm not saying she's not competent. I'm just saying at this point in the show, Rigel and Zan have both done more to save the crew than she has. God, that's so depressing. Yeah, (laughs) Rigel uh, negotiated with that egg monster last episode. And Zan and him performed brain surgery on Moya and the one where they needed to go to get the salt from that other planet, which is what John did while Aaron and Dargo were arguing in a tree. Yeah, yeah. And Aaron didn't die last episode. And Dargo did literally nothing last episode. Yeah, yeah. So we go to credits after the Tavleks have kidnapped Rigel, and we come back to Dargo just stomping around and being a real asshole. He's like, we should just leave Rigel behind, which... I mean, they should. Yeah, yeah. And Pilot's like, actually, we we probably... Well, what's funny is Pilot keeps telling them that he can't do things with the ship, but no one is really listening to him. Like, no one is wanting to hear that there's a problem with the ship yet. Yeah, John's like, can't you use your tractor beam to grab the ship, uh, to grab the people who have Rigel? And Pilot's like, no. And he's like, grappling hook, super glue. And- okay, wait, no. I have to say, I love this sequence because what actually happens is John says, can you use your tractor beam? And Pilot's like, I don't know what that is. And John's like... Like you said, grappling hook, super glue, catchy thing, the thing that you brought me on board with. 
And Pilot's like, oh, oh, our docking web. And John's like, yes. And Pilot's like, no, they're out of range. <laughs> that exchange is comedic gold. So Dargo is being a real bag of dicks. He is throwing a temper tantrum. He's literally throwing parts of the ship around. And he's like, this only happened because no one was listening to me. I should be in charge. And then he like throws them all to the ground. He like flings them all to the ground when they try because they realize oh he's on super alien steroids from the gauntlet yeah the gauntlet injects you with like super steroids yeah yeah so john and aaron go after dargo and dargo finally i guess learns how to shoot lightning out of it he shoots a light ball at them and aaron saves john by shoving him into a wall and pressing her body against his and then they go after they go after Darko again, and Darko fires another thing at them, and John saves Aaron by pressing his body against hers. This show has a lot of this. This is a this is a yeah, running. Yeah, John thing. and Aaron like falling on each other hornily is kind of a running thing in this show. That's not going to stop. Meanwhile, Zan is taking care of of a person who we're going to find out is Kier. Yes, this is the Tavlek that they captured. She goes out of her way to establish right off the bat that this is a child tavlek she's like oh the boy is injured yeah i mean he's he's an adolescent he's he's a teenage tavlek. space recruit yeah he like joined the space army when he turned space 18 and john and aaron come back into the cargo bay where he exposits to them what we could have all already figured out that the gauntlet you know injects you with super steroids makes you strong makes you an asshole also it's probably going to kill them because they're aliens and, and they ask the guy, how do you get that off? How do you get the gauntlet off? And he's like, ah, you can't. It can only be taken off someone who has fallen in battle. The only way to take it from your friend is to kill him. And John's like, clearly that's not true. It fell off you when you were unconscious. And he's like, ah, shit. Yes, yes. It turns out that, as Aaron points out, you do definitely want your weapons to come off when you're knocked unconscious so that your enemy doesn't cut off your arm. So Zan, who is also a chemist, just says that she will whip up a sleep potion for them to use on Dargo. Dargo, meanwhile, is storming down the hallways, kicking DRDs for no reason. What a dick. Poor DRDs. He tells Pilot to take off, and Pilot's like, we can't leave orbit. The ship is not working. Then... Pilot calls to Aaron and John and is like, Dargo's being a bag of dicks. And John's like, ooh, just make something up. Tell him the ship's malfunctioning. And Pilot's like, I told him the ship is malfunctioning. No one is listening to Pilot. No one is listening to Pilot. I do love, honestly, every bit with Pilot is just really subtly comedic in this episode. Yeah. So they get a message from the head Tavlek. Tavlek? Yeah, Tavlek. So the crew gets a message from the head Tavlik that's Bikesh. like... Bakesh. The Cash. Bakesh is his name. Bakesh. Is he a reoccurring character? Do we see him? No, again? I just really like that name. But you know who is a re- reoccurring character? The teenager that Zan molests? Yes. Yeah. So Bakesh is like, hey, so we've got your king, and he told us that he's the king of like a thousand worlds, each of which have a billion people on it. So each one of those people needs to pony up like a dollar... To spring this guy. Yeah, so get... he, he tells them how much money he wants, but he says it in amount of metals, so, you know, whatever. He's like, I want 30 billion Felicier Mirschnipper orbs. I want some... Uh, Corvium. 
you know, I want bullshit space currency. Yes. And John's like, well, how about if we just trade your soldier? And Vikesh is like, um, no. He's worth, like, one corvium. And we're asking you for six billion corvium. Soldiers and kings not really equivalent. I mean, right? So he gives them a deadline. He shuts off communications. You know, just your normal ransom demand. Hmm. And Sam gives John a water balloon filled with sleep potion that she has made. <laughs> she gives it to John, and Aaron's like, um, you can't do that. And John is like, um, yeah, it's just like Bullseye and Womp Rap. It's back home. And Aaron's like, stop, I don't get your references. The important thing is that John grew up doing water balloon fights. Ergo, he can hit Dargo with a sleeping powder. Well, I mean, to be fair, he does. They go up onto command. John throws the water balloon. It hits exactly between Dargo's feet and bursts, except that the mist doesn't affect him because of the serum. We see the serum inject a little bit more into him so that the mist doesn't affect him. Mm. And then John and Aaron just turn tail and run. They're like, oh, shit. Let's book it. So was Claudia Black always wearing that tank top? I don't know if she's worn it before now, but it is definitely one of her standard tank tops. When I did my Aaron cosplay, that's the top I used. All right, because Claudia Black has hella biceps. Yes, she does. That is something I did not recreate in my cosplay. (laughs) Like, I do like the fact that they have her be ripped. She's muscular in a way you don't often see women in fiction even women who are supposed to be in the military yeah she's um she's she's sigourney weaver tough yeah or uh linda hamilton yeah yeah she is going with my action movie theme for this episode she is definitely 80s badass action woman so zan is taking kier to a cell and he tells her that she's soft and weak and she just like kicks his ass she's like soft yes weak No. I do really like that line. (laughs) Then she gets a message over her communicator that John and Aaron are going to stop Dargo. They have a plan. Also, her sleep potion super did not work because that thing is pumping adrenaline into him like there's no freaking tomorrow. Yes. She acts dubious that John has a plan, which you're right is weird coming on the heels of last week's episode where... She acknowledged that John is good at plans. Yeah, she had two multiple speeches about how amazingly competent John has been under this situation and, like, how well he's fitting in and how smart and how screwed they would have been if he hadn't been around. So it's kind of weird when John's like, I have a plan. She's like, oh, good, Crichton has a plan. Yeah, it's weird. But Crichton's plan is to tell Pilot to close all of the vents on the ship, which causes the ship to kind of decompress super quickly, rock in space, and knock Dargo out when he falls against a console. Aaron's Uh. like, that was your plan? Because to be fair, that does seem like a lot of chance. But John points out rightly, it worked. Also, Aaron fell on top of John. Again. Again. So Aaron's all honked off at John, even though it worked, and John yoinks the uh, the glove off of Dargo's hand. Yeah, he takes the gauntlet. And then we cut to the planet, the planet where the Tavleks have set up some sort of, it really, it looks like a a war camp. I was going to say, it looks like a village from Xena. Oh, that too. That's actually more likely, because it's not, it's, you know, it's a permanent setup, where I guess they just hold their hostages after they've taken them. 
because we see Rigel being held in a cage and another prisoner being held next to him. A prisoner whose name is Jothib. Jothib. Okay, I really like Jothib. I wish that they had lost Rigel and replaced him with Jothib. <laughs> Jothib is sort of this Lovecraftian horror. Yeah, he looks like a Cthulhu monster. He has like tentacles, face tentacles and regular tentacles. And you don't really get a good picture of him. He's in the shadows mostly, you know, to save on everything. But yeah. he's got glowing red eyes and I really like his look. I like his personality too. He's very... um He's calm. Yeah, he's he's almost got like a Vulcan logic to him. When Rigel says that he's never heard of the Consortium of Traub, which is this guy's home world. It's his home empire. His home empire, right? Because it's made up of several billion planets. His response is, the imperfection is yours. He's got the sort of confidence that one gets from a background of extreme privilege except he manages to make it not annoying by virtue of being a horrifying monster well he's just so matter of fact about it i don't think he's the ruler i think he's probably the son of one of the rulers but he's the son of the ruler of of a consortium that takes up 10 million planets so you know he's got some confidence yeah he's got clout he's got the kind of clout that rigel pretends to have yes which is why we're seeing a difference in their two attitudes I think it's also important to note that Rigel has never heard of this particular race before. And that's important because we will not see them again. And it's good that we will not see them again because they are show-breakingly powerful if they were regulars on this show. That is true. Honestly, I have to wonder how the Tavlex managed to capture this guy. Seriously. I'm, I'm assuming maybe his race is super peaceful or something maybe or maybe he just like maybe he's the profligate son and he was just off like carousing and they caught him when he was like drunk at a club wait is he is he liam liam angel yeah liam the son of the richest man in some town in ireland i mean no because he's like much 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 richer than that yes it's kind of weird that uh both Spike and Angel come from upper-class families, but pretended to be lower-class. Considering the metaphor of vampires, that sounds really appropriate to me. The thing is, Liam started doing that before he became a vampire, but but Spike only started it after he became a vampire. Well, Spike always is just trying to fit in. God, that's depressing. Huh? So, back on the ship, Pilot is finally getting through to everyone that the ship can't go. Because it turns out that one of the pieces of the ship they need to move is this little crystalline... Thingamabobber. Thingamabobber. And Rigel took it to decorate his scepter so that he looked more powerful to the Tavlex. So, you know, they don't have it now. I do like that John's like, you let him take a vital part of the ship... And Pilot's like, no, I said no, but it's gone now, so apparently he took it at some point later. I know, Pilot doesn't say it, but it's like, um, have you seen me? Do you know how I'm attached to the ship and I can't move? So, meanwhile, Zan is kind of, she's talking about how she's going to put the soldier they captured through detox. Yeah. And Aaron's like, wow, that sounds like a giant stupid waste of time. I'm going to go get, you know, I'm going to go get Rigel, kick the shit out of him, and, you know, get the sphere back so we can go back into outer space. 
Aaron tells John that this time she's got the plan, and John's like, what is your plan? To just go down there and shoot everyone and grab Rigel? And Aaron's like, yeah, of course. Which, if it didn't work, would be a very bad plan. Yeah, but... But it worked, so... <laughs> well, we'll talk about whether or not it worked. <laughs> I do like... John's like, wait, you're going to... You, you can't just go down by yourself. And she's like, you're right. You're going with me. And he's like, what? And she knocks his ass out and takes him into her ship. Yeah, John's like... It, this episode is really funny. There's a lot of great comedic beats in this episode. John's like, no, I'm not going to go fight the tabloids. And Aaron's like... And Aaron cold cocks him, knocks him out, and is like, Tavlex! And then she we does just... this, ex- she has this, like, hand gesture thing she does when she says Tavlek that emphasizes her point, but it's also kind of an alien gesture because it's not the sort of thing we do when we talk, where she's, like, pressing her thumb into her middle finger and ring finger while extending her other two fingers, and she thrusts them forward. Yeah. Tavlek. But it's so clearly a gesture of irritation and correction. Leviosa. Which which is one of the things which I think a lot of sci-fi lacks. Aliens having their own cultures. Yeah, well, yes. That's something that Farscape does not skimp on, is alien cultures. But we cut from that, from Aaron knocking John out, to Aaron in her prowler with an unconscious John behind her. Hey, it would have been good if you remembered you had that last episode. Eh. Eh. Then there wouldn't have been an episode. John comes to and is still arguing with Aaron for a second before he realizes that she's already put him on the prowler. And she and he's like, you, you punched me in the face? And she's like, no, I hit a nerve cluster. And since you're, you know, a weak human garbage person, it... it went a little harder than it normally does. And he's like, you knocked me unconscious. And she's like, shut up. We're on a rescue mission now. I could not possibly love Aaron more. I really, I, I just really adore her. John is also like, we're going to talk. We're going to have words when we're done. And Aaron's like, oh, don't be silly, John. We're not going to live through this. That's a good attitude to have going in. All right. So back on the ship. Kier is all, like, irritated because, well, he was unconscious. They took his clothes. They, they dressed Aaron in his clothes so that she could pretend to be a Tavlek when they land. So he, he's wrapped in a blanket and Zan gives him John's old flight suit. Hey, it, it'll fit him because it's so big. And he tries to do this weird sexual intimidation thing. Yeah. Zan. Yeah, he was like, oh, did you want to peek? And then he opens the blanket up and he's like, well, take a look. And there's this weird incongruous thing that the soundtrack does where it starts playing what's a theme that is associated with Zan, which is like a, one of those otherworldly choir themes where it's like, oh. <laughs> and it's like, that's not the right sound for someone opening up their robe unless you want a totally different tone. Okay, so the tone of this is very... You've seen the Reefer Madness musical, I know, because we saw this together, but this whole scene is kind of Mary Sunshiny because he definitely, there's a threat of physical there's a threat of sexual violence when he's like oh you wanted to see what a real man looked like huh 
well, I'm going to show you what a real man looks like. And he throws off the blanket so he's naked in front of her. And he's like, yeah, I bet you can't handle this. And Zan's like, all right, let's do this. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, well, Zan's response, and I actually really appreciate her response, which is, oh, is nudity a taboo in your culture? Except she's got the weird accents. She actually says, is nudity taboo in your <laughs> Is nudity taboo in your culture? Okay. And then she takes off her robe. She takes off her robe and he's like, ah, ah, no. It really, I, I showed you one of those. It reminded me of those old pictures. There, there was this Greek thing where they believed that demons were afraid of genitals. So there's some old pictures of women flashing themselves at demons who are freaking out. I, I yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah, she, she's like, you want to do nudity? We can do nudity. And he's like, no, actually, I'm good. I'm sorry. I, I pushed this too far. <laughs> I way overplayed my hand here. Oh, so to speak. Yeah. she. Well, she's like, yeah, look, you have respectable genitals for someone your age of your species. He seems to keep, throughout the episode, even after this point, he seems to not understand that she knows what his species is. Which you think he would, given that she's apparently familiar with their genitals at different ages. Oh, that's distressing. Yes. I mean, she could just be bullshitting with him. I mean, she probably is. But Zan asks him if he wants any food, and he says no, so she puts her robe back on and leaves. (laughs) Down on the planet, Aaron and John are trying to figure out how to find where Rigel has been taken. And John's dragging his heels. He's like, look, I'm. you may have brought me down to this uh, planet, but you can't force me to go on this mission with you. And Aaron's like, okay, fine. Stay here and deal with the landmines, the man-eating spiders, the fire snakes, the fire-eating steak spiders. And John's like, okay, fine, I'll follow you. Like she knows what's going on in this planet. Yeah, right? Back where Rigel is being held, he's freaking out and trying to escape. I think it's another good distinction between him and Joseph that he's trying to escape, and Joseph is just like, no, I'm just chilling here until my people pay the ransom. MBD. I'm just going to chill. Uh, honestly, it should be indicative that Rigel is not part of a consortium of powerful people who will pay his ransom, that, you know, he's trying to escape. Well, Jortham is uh, Caesar in that one story about Caesar where he got kidnapped by pirates and he, like, befriended the crew and he became part of them until his people paid his ransom. And then, you know, he went back to Rome and he's like, okay, have all these men killed. Oof. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. I, I feel like this is why typically... You shouldn't take powerful political people prisoner? Well, yes, that. And also, I feel like just paying ransom really doesn't indicate whether or not you'll get the person back yeah well i have to i have to assume that the tablets have kind of a culture of ransom where you know that tablets will just give you the person back when you pay the ransom i guess that's a good thing to establish yeah i have to say in this episode they're not just in cages rigel is in a cage and buried up to his waist Mm -hmm. and i feel like the puppet is more expressive in this episode than we've seen it be before and i think that has to do with the fact that the puppeteer has more control since he's got a better angle on it. You, did you see that interesting thing with Kermit the Frog where they were doing that interview with uh, Jim Henson? Where he was talking about how it shouldn't be a problem to see the puppeteer? Yeah, because your eye is naturally drawn to the more interesting thing, the puppet. Well, and I mean, he's right. You've seen Avenue Q. The yeah. puppeteers are right there on stage and it's not, it doesn't 
yeah, detract from the puppetry. There's a really good uh, British version of uh, Little Shop of Horrors where they have their own independent Audrey 2 puppet where you can see all of these people who are manipulating the tentacles, but it doesn't matter because it's such this expansive, expressive thing. I mean, I totally agree. Although the convention on television is that the puppeteers have to hide, so yeah. it, it does still set up what angles you can get at. Mm. Unless you want to be like Alf. Where you just dig holes in the soundstage and then you have other actors like falling into them willy-nilly? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Apparently the guy who did Alf is a kind of unbearably intense, I think is the word that was described, uh, that people used to describe him, and that he's been desperately trying to get Alf back on the air since it went off the air. You remember Alf? He's back (laughs) in whatever form you'll have him. Farscape. So, Rigel is complaining that he hasn't gotten any food, and he is trying to talk about how to get respect, so he starts talking about how his people are going to show up and they're going to just kill everyone on this planet, and one of the guards brings him some food, and Rigel's, like, very proud of himself for a second, see how you just have to intimidate them, and then he sees that his food has been brought to him inside of a skull. Womp womp. Although I love Cthulhu Monster's reaction where he's like, well, it's a skull, and they probably didn't have time to flee the skull of anyone you know, so... Yeah, <laughs> Jotham says it couldn't possibly be anyone you know, <laughs> which is an amazing response, to be honest. And uh, he grabs the food and he starts pulling it over to his cell and... With his giant tentacles. With his giant tentacle. And Rigel's like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, well, if you're not going to eat it... Yeah. And Rigel's like, no, you can't take it. So, back on the ship, Dargo's talking to Pilot about how he needs to do something to make himself useful, which, hey, that's what I was just thinking about him constantly. he is barely dragging himself around because he's sick from, or, you know, drained from having all of the serum injected into him and then taken out. It turns out having a lot of adrenaline pumped through your system and then withdrawn suddenly isn't great for you. Honestly, though, this is, this is... I know it was done with a serum and it will happen to other characters in this episode, but essentially it was the equivalent of a barbarian rage. Yeah. Yeah. Dargo went on a barbarian rage, which is what Aaron will call him later in this episode. Mm. Down on the planet, Aaron and John come across some other Tavleks who are part of a hunting party. And Aaron tells John to hand her the oculens and he's like, the what? And she's like, binoculars. Come on, dude. Except they're cool sci-fi binoculars. They, like, go around your head and they essentially turn your eyes into binoculars that can zoom in and out. It's odd that they have the same Latin root. I'm, sh- I'm, sure, that was, I'm sure that was the translator microbes translating it for John. Into proper nouns? Is it a proper noun? Uh, is it, or is it, like, a loan word? Like, bubblegum? Well, they're called on- omnoculars. Omnoculars. So, all-seeing. Yeah. So I'm sure that they are some peacekeeper word for all seeing. So the translator microbes translate it to omnoculars. All right. That's plausible. Yes. So while John was playing with them, because she's like, look through them, and he does for like five seconds, and then he looks up and she's wearing the whole suit of armor yeah. that the captured soldier was wearing. She tells John that, oh, I like, by the way, that when John puts on the omnoculars, he... he twitches his eyes for a second because he needs to adjust to them. But after that second of twitching his eyes, he's basically able to use them just as well as Aaron is because we see through his eyes. Yeah. 
So Aaron says she's gonna put on the gauntlet and go down there, and John's like, we said that was a last resort, and Aaron's like, yep, yeah, that's where we are, last resort. She gives John a syringe of knockout serum, mm. so that after she's done, he can knock her out and take the gauntlet off. So she goes up to the head lady, and she's like, hey, I got lost on my way to the prisoner hole, can you tell me where it is? And the head lady's like shouldn't you know where it is yourself and Aaron's like fuck this and she just starts wailing on her yeah she tried to like she tried to blend in for like a second and it didn't work so she's like okay plan a again just gonna shoot everybody she wasn't even a little busted either the the lady was just like find it yourself and Aaron's like eh fuck it wham 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 John tries to help her out by firing the rifle that you know the space rifle that she brought down but instead he accidentally blows it up which, okay, he, he overloaded the plasma chamber and blew up the rifle, which actually kind of worked because everybody jumped and scrambled and Aaron was able to get back to him. Yeah, the head lady's like, oh shit, more of them are coming. We all better run in different directions and not tell anyone. And, yeah. Not the most organized group. Well, yeah. Back on the ship, Dargo's looking at the sensors and he's like, pilot, are these sensors working? It looks like an explosion. And pilot's like, yep, it was an explosion. <laughs> Hole in one, buddy. I just, there are so many great comedic beats in this episode. Pilot's firing on all cylinders. Honestly, I'm I'm telling you, every scene with Pilot is kind of has a little comedic moment. So Dargo tells him to ready a transport because he wants to go not help John and Aaron. Uh, yeah, right. So I Aaron... feel I feel like there are people I'm not actively hindering at this moment. Give me a ship so I can go make things worse for other people. Yeah. Aaron, meanwhile, is pissed off because John has blown up their only weapon, other than the gauntlet, of course. Hmm. And back in the cells, the guard lets Joseph know that his people have messaged them and that his ransom will be there in two days and he'll be free to go. Hmm. And Rigel starts drawing attention to himself, talking about how you shouldn't serve people food in bowls made out of skulls, which, you know what? I agree with Rigel. Everybody talks about, like, drinking from the skull of your enemy or eating from the skull Hmm. of your enemy, but... That seems terribly inconvenient. Well, yeah, it's it's wasteful. Stuff will fall out of the eye holes. It's Like, best case scenario, you have to, like, resin up the eye holes. And once you've done that, like, what are you doing? Just use a regular bowl. I, I guess you could do something if you were just using, like, the... Just a skull cap? Yeah. But that's not what's happening here. It's, it's a full-on skull. Yeah. Well, I, I did that joke comic about Medusa drinking out of Cyclops' skull, and the reason it worked was because she still had the visor on oh, his God. skull, so stuff wouldn't fall out of the eyes. You you did this joke in your comic, waiting for the tea? Yes. Yes. Also, if you're going to just drink out of the skull cap, it doesn't even look like a skull. Yeah. And I, at that point, what are we doing here? Well, it's there's a lot of people, you know, I'm going to tear out your spine and beat you with it. After you've torn out the spine, your job is done. Like... Right? That that's that's just putting in too much work. Yeah, who are you doing it for after this point? Exactly. Although in this case the purpose is clear, it's to intimidate prisoners. Right, that's that's fair. That's fair. So the guard takes away the skull and fake apologizes. And Rigel's like, see, all you need to do is yell enough and talk about how important you are and then people give you anything you want. And the guard pours his food out in front of him on the floor and he's like, Fuck you, fish man. It will mean nothing to us if no one pays your ransom. And honestly, this is what I'm saying about this Rigel puppet being so expressive. He looks so sad here. He looks so downtrodden. I would feel bad for him, but he's such a douche all the time. Well, I mean, he did take that crystal matrix that the ship needs to run. Yeah. 
to make himself look better. I mean, to be fair to Rigel, if he hadn't taken it, they definitely would not be rescuing him. But also, if he was not the kind of person who would take that, maybe they would rescue him. So back on the ship, Zan is talking to the prisoner who is going through... Withdrawal? Yes, withdrawal. He tries to escape and she grabs a hold of his arm and then he like pushes his thumbnail into her arm, making her bleed. But remember everyone, she is a plant person. So I guess what she bleeds is aloe and she drips some of it into the potion she has made. Yeah, and... Gross. And he's she's like shut up, stop doing all of this, I'm going to help you. And he's all, I don't want your help. And she's like, I don't think you're in a position where you get to decide what you want right now. And then she takes some of the potion and she puts it on her lips and she tells him that this will stop the withdrawal. And then she kisses him, which is just... To be ambiguously fair to her... It's not necessarily a sex thing. It's definitely not a sex thing, but she is forcing medicine on him. Yes. Which is why I said not Zan doesn't understand consent, but Zan doesn't understand agency. Mm. So back in the cells, Rigel is trying to decide if he has fallen low enough to eat the meat out of the dirt. And before he sinks that low, he realizes that the stew that was poured down in front of him is loosening the soil and he might be able to dig himself out. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, John's like, hey, Aaron, now that all of those people are unconscious, maybe you should take off the gauntlet before it drives you crazy, maybe makes you have one of those heart attack things. And she's like, whatever, I'm just going to use this gauntlet to murder everyone and then get that crystal. And he's like, uh... and he tries to knock her out. He tries to sneak up on her with the syringe and she... It doesn't work because she's got the gauntlet. She knocks him down and then Dargo shows up and is like, Hey, Aaron, fight me. Hey, look, it's the first useful and or clever thing Dargo does in the show. Because she's like, fine, I'll take you. I'll tear you to shreds with my gauntlet hand. And he's like, oh, I get it. So you're not able to do this without weapons. And she's like. Ugh, fine. Yeah, she, she says, uh, she, this is when she calls him a barbarian, and says she will definitely fight him hand to hand, and runs up at him. And I just have to say, even though she is angry from the gauntlet, and genuinely about to kill Dargo, she looks like she's having so much fun. So, I thought the point of him saying that was going to be that she took off the gauntlet to fight him. She did not, but she did, she did get close enough to him that he was able to use his tongue to knock her out. So, congratulations, we are four episodes in, and you finally did something that wasn't terrible. Also, just good to know, whatever poison is in his tongue that knocks people out is more powerful than the serum in the gauntlet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In case you're, like, doing power rankings or something. <sighs> so, in the cells, Rigel is digging himself out, and he asks Jotham to, like, pull him out with his tentacle, which Jotham does, even though... <laughs> Rigel gets a little freaked out by it. He's like, wait, no, I changed my mind. This is creepy. So they're making sex noises as Rigel is pulled free. I didn't think they were sex noises. I thought he was being choked by the tentacle. No comment. No. Oh. Like, so the things he's saying, he's like, yes, you're doing it. I'm almost there. And the guard's like, what? And then Rigel's like, I'm free. And the guard's like, oh, oh, it's not a sex thing. I should go kill somebody. That's so weird, because normally I'm 
have a very dirty mind. And I did not interpret it that way at all. Until I pointed it out. Until you pointed it out. Because that is definitely one of those, you know, oh, it sounds like they're having sex, but actually they're moving a piano or installing, I don't know, electric chair. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. It's a very hoary old comedy trope. So Rigel has crawled halfway out of the bars when the guard comes, and the guard just steps on Rigel's neck and crushes him to death. He kills Rigel right there. Do 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 do. Yeah, so Rigel's dead. And I guess that's the end of this episode. No, just kidding. No, uh... <laughs> the space whale just falls out of the sky and crushes everyone. Right? No, actually, Jotham is like, wait, no, my people will pay his ransom because he is a valuable commodity. And the guard's like, but he's dead. And Jotham's like, or is he? And he shoots life energy out of his tentacle into Rigel. He runs his tentacle across Rigel's lip, which causes him to come back to life it's a good thing we never see these aliens again since they can literally bring the dead back to life it would be a very show changing thing Mm. so he's like look my people will pay for rigel you know just just tell them just tell them that they also need to bring uh need to pay for this dude meanwhile aaron is waking up after being poisoned yeah so now it's aaron's turn to be drained from the gauntlet so John's like, okay, so I guess now it's me and Dargo doing the thing. There's a her and Dargo reconciling over blah, blah, blah. They talk about the adrenaline making them both assholes. Uh, John points out a good thing, which is like, the gauntlet just made them both more themselves. So maybe they should look inward as to what assholes they really are inside. It's kind of a mask situation. Mm. You know, it, it brings out your worst impulses. But if you're not a terrible person, then... It's not a big deal. Yeah. If you're not the Stanley Ipkiss from the comics. Yeah. Or the Joker. That one time the Joker got the mask. God. In that one crossover. Yeah. Back on the ship, Kier has calmed down a little bit because, you know, he's not in withdrawal symptoms anymore and he's starting to get off of the stimulant. And Zang is giving him this whole lecture about not doing drugs. Drugs? Turns the baseball head around. Aren't cool. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, though. The drugs are different for him than for other people. Well, he he mentions how it's part of his culture. It's part of his community. It's like she's judging from a completely, no joke intended, alien point of view. Also, he mentioned when Dargo put the gauntlet on that Dargo wouldn't be able to handle it because he has a totally different physiology. Hmm. So his people can clearly handle it. And he's in withdrawal because it feeds him and powers him. I mean, I'm just saying, Zan's coming off sounding like like somebody who's against Western medicine here, you know? But he does admit that he's hungry, so Zan offers to get him some food. And then we go back down to the planet where... Dargo and Aaron are bonding over how much they hate John. This is literally the exact same scene we saw in E.T. in IET. It really is. Like, I, I I think they literally make the same joke about how terrible a planet full of Johns is. I think I said that when we were watching IET, but I think this is the episode that line is from. I don't think they used the line, imagine a planet full of Johns. I'm pretty sure that they did. I, I wouldn't swear to it, and I know you've watched the show more than me, but I really feel like they did in that. 
Maybe, maybe they did. But it is interesting how it's, the shot is composed very similar to when they're hiding in the tree in IET. Yeah. Like, it's a very similar moment. I, I just want to say that I feel like in these early episodes, they were really trying to set up Dargo and Aaron bonding as two warriors. But that's not really where the show goes. You're going to like the show a lot better when Dargo and John start bonding. Good. Also, this this scene where they're just shit-talking John... Uh, we're too far into the show for this still to be a thing. He saved you in IET. He saved you in the last episode where Aaron had the fever and those, you know, Prowler. Yeah, he's, he saved them from the commandos. He saved them. And, like. He saved them in the premiere with his slingshot theory. Yeah, and. So, 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 four ep- so we're four episodes in right now, okay? Yeah. In the premiere, he saved the day with his slingshot theory. In IET, he got the salt that they needed, the alien salt, to fix Moya. Yeah. And in the last episode, Exodus from Genesis, he saved them by succeeding in a bluff check against the commandos. Well, and he also figured out what was going on with the alien queen that was laying the eggs. He figured out what was going on there, and he defeated several alien bug things in combat. And it was his idea to pump up the heat to disable the commandos. Yeah. So he's been literally carrying your asses for what has to be at least a couple of weeks at this point. Where is this, oh, John's so fucking incompetent attitude coming from? I mean, I get it, though. He can't open a door yet. So I can see how it would be hard to trust him to come up with plans. If... Which would be a great point if that wasn't literally the focal point of the last episode. Yeah, it is it is weirdly awkward. It's That's true. And it kind of, it, it hurts the show when it feels like the continuity doesn't matter. I know it starts mattering later. Oh, it's gonna really, really matter. But in these early episodes, it's like, it makes it hard to get invested when you know the dynamics are just gonna be reset by the next episode. Yeah, although I don't really feel like this is a continuity issue with this show. I actually feel like with this show, it's more of an issue of that's how long it takes them to gel as a team. Mm. And you're right, it's it's frustrating, this early going, but knowing where it's going, for me, it just makes the show feel more realistic. You know what I'm going to compare it to? Okay, I don't, but go. The beginning of Buffy Season 7. It's really infuriating to watch slayers killed week after week after week but knowing where that story is going and watching it all at once it's less infuriating Hmm. here it's like it's really infuriating to watch them be at each other's throats when you know that if they would just work together they'd be a much better team but knowing how they're going to eventually gel this part just feels realistic to me like the show is not cheating they're actually making them go through the work of becoming a team so, back in the cells, Rigel's all like, hey, thanks for... Saving me, or bringing me back to life, or whatever. And the guy's like, yeah, no problem. By the way, you know all of your billion subjects or whatever? They belong to me now. You're part of my empire now. And Rigel's like, yeah, about that. So... Okay, I actually really love this scene, because Rigel kind of... He's in hysterics. He's like... Um, okay, so I don't have any subjects. I was deposed a hundred cycles ago. Um, important note, Rigel was deposed a hundred cycles ago. hmm So, when we start this show, Rigel has been a prisoner of the peacekeepers for a century. Jeez. Yeah. 
So Raja's like, I was deposed a hundred cycles ago and my friends don't have the ability to pay the ransom. And if they did, they wouldn't because they hate me. And Rigel's like laughing and then he's like, oh, I made myself sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cthulhu face is not happy about this. He's like, Jesus, fucking, I wouldn't have used my life energy to bring you back if I'd known you were this piece of shit that everyone hates. And I do like the kind of turn here because before he was very zen and, you know, my friend, we will get through this together. And now that he finds out that Rigel's basically a commoner, he's like, what the shit is wrong with you, you crap monkey? Rigel also calls Jothub a multi-throated moron, which I bring up only because we didn't mention that his voice has this weird tube and throat echo, Mm. which is pretty cool. So back in the forest, John has done some recon, and he thinks that enough people are gone that he and Dargo can sneak into the camp Rescue Rigel and get back out. Aaron wants him to take the gauntlet, but John does not because, you know, he saw what it did to everyone else. And he points out, every Tavlek has a gauntlet. So either they're going to sneak in, grab Rigel, and get out unseen, or they're already fucked. Yeah. Which is a very good point from John. So Aaron points out that she's defenseless because John blew up their only weapon. And Dargo's like, here, take my sword. And she's like, oh, wow, a sword when everyone else has guns. That's going to be useful. And now we get to the point where Dargo's blade stops being a stupid plastic-looking weapon. Well, it just becomes a different stupid-looking plastic weapon. You know, plastic guns are okay. Plastic swords are stupid. Yeah. But yeah, Dargo, like, pops open the blade. Apparently, it turns into a gun. Sword gun. Aaron asks him if it's charged, and he says it was charged when the peacekeepers took it from him eight cycles ago. I just wanted to bring that up, because in this episode we learned that Rigel was a prisoner for 100 years, and Dargo was a prisoner for eight. Hmm. Are cycles directly correlated to years? Uh, Because... Yes. Okay. I mean, for our purposes, yes. Okay, because... Was Darko a teenager then when he was captured? Because we found out he was, like, he's only, like, 18 cycles in the pilot. No, no, no. He said he was, I forget what age he said he was, but it was, like, 30 or 40. But Zan says, oh, you're just an adolescent. Yeah. Because that's his people's life cycle. Okay. Meanwhile, back on the ship, the prisoner is complaining about how awful the food is. And Zane's like, well, I don't have to feed you, so sorry if it's not to your taste, bro. (laughs) And he's like, you think you know everything. And she's like, well, I mean, I do. I am a psychic blue lady who lives in space. Also, she's like, I don't know everything. I just know more than you. (laughs) Which is a great line. And he talks about how uncomfortable she makes him. And she's like, when I kissed you. And he's like, I mean, yes. He's like, no. Well, yes, but I mean more... In a broad general sense, you make me uncomfortable. Yeah, he wants to know about how she took away his pain because as a Tavlek, he only knows how to inflict pain. Ugh. And, oh, God. Xandus was thing where she's like, you know, you're powerful when you have that gauntlet, but who are you without the gauntlet? Who's the real you? And honestly, this feels so much to me like people who oppose psychiatric drugs who are like oh but it makes you not you and it's like fuck off it makes me able to function 
Van Gogh would have never painted if he hadn't, you know, I don't know, had mental issues. Well, yeah, no, like, Van Gogh wouldn't have painted if he'd been medicated. It's like, fuck you! Like, yeah, when he was going through a major depressive episode, he wasn't painting because that's not how major depressive episodes work. Exactly. Down on the planet, John and Dargo are sneaking into the prisoner's cell so that they can free Rigel. Mm-hmm. And when they come into the cell, uh, John first accidentally steps on one of Jotham's tentacles and is like, oh, sorry. And Jotham is like, no offense taken. And then John, space racist, is like, hey, Targo, Targo, look at the critter. And Targo's like, critter? And Jotham's like, critter? And John's like, uh, I mean, what's up? I'm John. Hi. I mean, seriously, he's clearly a sentient person who just talked to you, and you're like, look how weird he looks. John, get your shit together. But John and Dargo are talking about looking for Rigel, and Jotheb is nice enough to say, um, yeah, they took Rigel away. They moved him to a more secure location because I said I would pay his ransom, and now they think he's valuable. And I do appreciate, as much as John is a space racist, he's like, well, let us break you out. Yeah. And Jotham's like, no, I'm just going to chill here until my people pay my ransom. But uh, tell Rigel when you rescue him that we're not actually covering his ransom anymore, that his presence is too disruptive. I I honestly, I enjoy every conversation Jotham has with people. Yeah. I, I want him to replace uh, Rigel. I mean, he wouldn't fill the same slot as Rigel because he would not be disruptive the way Rigel is. Yeah. Honestly, he'd probably do a better job filling uh, Zan's slot. Yeah, he would be. He would fill Zan's spot nicely. Although, you have not yet met Stark. Yeah. So, John and Dargo leave the little prison room, and a bunch of tablets are there. But Aaron creates a distraction by just firing randomly with the Qualtha Blade. It's nice. It's good. Uh, she creates enough of a distraction that John and Dargo are able to get away. Uh... I want to say they're playing that same hard rock music that they were playing during this sequence where they kidnapped Rigel. I feel like you can really tell when the show's composers are doing a piece of the background music and when they ran out of money and they're going with public domain or whatever stock music. It it just struck me in a lot of the action scenes that this feels like really generic filler music. And it made me wonder if there was a licensing rights thing with, like, certain action. Oh, I I thought it worked for this, though. I mean, I don't think it doesn't work. It it just, it's really tonally different than the other kind of mood-setting music that the show does. It is definitely, it is definitely different. That's true. Yeah. So, John and Dargo get back to where in the woods Aaron is hiding out. But, oh no, y'all, Dargo's been shot. He's bleeding from his back. Wah, wah. So apparently when Dargo's race is injured, the way that you cure them is to wail on them. Okay, so they don't explain it perfectly here, but it is explained later. Dargo asks what color the blood is, and it's black. I actually love this. Dargo says it's black, and then he and Aaron just exchange a look because they both know alien physiology, so they both know what's happening, and Aaron just jumps on him and starts wailing on his, on his wound. Which she then has to explain to John, because John's like, what the fuck? Is the way Luxons work, mm-hmm. if you're wounded in battle and you're still moving and fighting, 
the wound like cleanses itself and the blood runs clear. But because he got shot but is no longer fighting, it's like clotting in a weird way. So Aaron has to wail on him until it runs clear because then the wound will heal. It yeah. won't heal at this point. But it's because it's because it's designed to let you keep fighting, but he's not still fighting. So meanwhile, Zan and the prisoner are bonding over they're bonding over how nice she's being to him. Like. There, there's really not a good reason for the two of them to be bonding at this point. Like, she's opened his eyes to the fact that other people have cool space powers, I guess. Well, well, she gets called to command and he says he'll walk back to his cell on his own, which Zan just lets him do. But instead of going back to his cell, he goes running to the lab. Hmm. Zan in command starts communicating with John and Aaron on the planet and she tells them where they've taken Rigel because they can track the crystal now, I guess. They couldn't before, but they can now. Hmm. Meanwhile, the prisoner has attacked one of the DRDs to get some tech that he can use and Pilot is really honked off about it and Zan's like, Jesus fucking Christ. His DRDs are taking a beating this episode. It's not cool. Poor little guys. Yeah. So... On the planet, John is going to go to where the crystal is, where Rigel is, and now he's going to use the gauntlet because Dargo is wounded. Aaron still has gauntlet sickness, so basically it's all John, all gauntlet right now. Yeah, and he's about to put it on. He's like, how does this work? And uh, Dargo's like, it just does. You just have to think really hard and focus on what you want. And he's like, Oh, it uses willpower like the Green Lantern ring because this is a sci-fi show for nerds. Yeah, it really is, right? So then John puts it on and he's like, I don't feel anything. And it's like, calm down, John. It's like edibles. You have to give it a second. Yeah, and he's like, I mean, I do feel kind of good. Pretty good. Pretty real good. Oh, oh, gauntlet's working. (laughs) Bye! Back on the ship, I guess Kier is using the thing that he took from the DRD to make serum to inject into himself? Uh, it doesn't seem like it would work. It does not, but Zan beats the shit out of him. It's really weird because he's like, you can't stop me, you don't even have the guts to fight me, which is weird because she was manhandling him basically all episode. He tries to punch her and she like catches his fist and slams him down into the ground and is like, I'm not gonna fight you because we're not enemies. And then she's all like, this drug is your enemy. Yeah, it's... I don't get why he's like, you're not going to fight me. Like, she hasn't been throwing his ass all over the ship literally all episode. See, that's funny because I don't get why she's like, we're not enemies. Yes, you are. Zan, you literally took him prisoner. And back on the planet, Aaron has to get Dargo to, like, fight for his life because he's all like no i'm gonna give up and aaron's like no i'm gonna keep punching you until you don't die okay so it feels like a lot of the scenes in this episode are just kind of repeating like we have john leaving aaron and dargo behind to go do a rescue thing by himself well no see they have so they have to switch it off okay it's john you know what it is it's that parable with the with the fox and the grain and the chicken, right? Yeah, where you have to go back once you... Yeah, right? So it's John and Aaron, and then Dargo shows up and takes Aaron, and then it's John and Dargo, and then they get back, and then it's Aaron and Dargo, and now it's just John. 
Yeah, but I mean, this is the second time Aaron and Dargo have been abandoned while John does something else. Yeah, it's true. Although before it was brief recon, now it's the actual rescue mission. It just it it feels like sort of the thing that the sort of thing that would be pared down if they didn't need to fill a certain amount of time. Well, I mean that's true, but that's just the nature of TV. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Zan and what's his bucket, where it feels like a lot of these scenes are just going, are just kind of repeating themselves so that they'll fill a set amount of time. I can see that. John is really kind of kicking ass here he's like oh pew 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 and they're like you don't have to say pew you're shooting lasers at us and he's like pew 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 so he takes out three of the four people everybody except Bakesh and then I guess Bakesh has a better gauntlet so now they're they're basically like Voldemort and Harry they've got their gauntlets pulled and neither of them can do anything they're all just shooting light at each other and nothing's going on and I do love how this is John doing several different attempts to get Rigel through lying. Okay, so John fails three bluff checks in a row, okay? He realizes that his gauntlet has run out of serum, so he says, let's just call it a draw. And Bakesh is not buying it. So John says, well, Rigel's just an escaped mental patient. And Bakesh is not buying it. So then John's like, well, Rigel's actually physically sick and he's going to infect all of your people. And Bakesh is not buying it. And then John's like, all right, no more bluff checks. What if I just told you the truth? Yeah, Rigel's a complete asshole who, yes, was a king at one point, but got deposed. He has literally no power and is totally worthless to you. And Bakesh is like, okay, that I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, before Bakesh will completely believe it, he's like, well, let me call up to your ship and talk to my person. So he does. He calls the ship and Zan puts Kier, you know, on the communicator. And Bakesh is like, so what have you seen up there? And I like this because Kier is like, Kier says to Zan, I'm not going to lie for you. And Zan's like, don't lie for us. And Kier's like, yeah, they have no money. It's just them. This guy is not a king. Yeah, which you should have picked up on the fact, you know, that they're willing to do smuggling runs for you. But, like, literally, these are a whole bunch of people in a space hatchback. Right? Well, you know, you believe what you want to believe, I guess. I do like how Bakesh is like, oh, well, I could kill you all, but, eh, whatever. Just get off my planet. Well, I like, he, he asks Kier, he's like... Have you been mistreated? Please give me an excuse to kill them. And Kira's like, no, it's fine. And Bakesh is like, all right, guess I'll let you go. And then, and this is important, mm. Kira asks, you know, that they shut off the communicator. And Kira asks Zan, you know, why did you help me? And Zan says, you know, maybe I just wanted you to have a choice, which is a lie. Mm. Also, like, help is sort of a broad word there. Right. I mean, theoretically, he means detox him, but mm. yeah. Yeah. So, Bakesh is like, ah, eh, fuck it. We don't want Rigel. And it's basically, what's that O. Henry story? Oh, uh, the Ransom of Red Chief? It's, yeah, it's basically that. He's like, look, killing you all means that I'd have to dig a bunch of holes I don't feel like digging. So, you know what? Take this sack of crap and get off my planet. So... John takes Rigel and wants to know where the crystal is, and Rigel says that he knew that they would not rescue him if he didn't have the crystal, so he swallowed it. So that they would have to take him back with them onto the ship. 
I mean, in fairness to Rigel. Yeah. Yep. It, it is a good bit for John, you know. John gets to do a why I oughta. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to point out the gauntlet's out of serum, which means John should have the gauntlet sickness now, mm. but he still manages to carry Rigel's ass back to where they are camped out in the woods. Good for him. Yeah. So he brings Rigel back, and then he passes out, falling on top of Rigel when he passes out. Yep. And right before John gets there, of course, Aaron is still punching Dargo's wound. And I, I like this. She stops, and Dargo says, am I going to die? And she says, yes, but not today. <laughs> you don't know that. The day's still young. I know, right? But still, I like it. So it's a good warrior, warrior thing to say. So, back in space, we're having a space debriefing. Zan has to be Marge Simpson to the rest of the crew. And tell them what happened? No, take care of them physically and emotionally because they all still have space sickness. Oh, well, it's funny. We cut from John falling on top of Rigel to all of them on their shuttles getting back to the ship. But... It must have been comical, because they all three had gauntlet sickness, all of them just dragging their asses back to the shuttle. I hope you all appreciate how little I've been talking about Bren Bradder's ass this uh, episode. I feel like I went a little overboard last episode. Well, I feel like this episode is directing us to his ass a lot less than last week's episode was. Although the last shot when he falls directly on top of Rigel and the... Just left half of the screen is entirely Ben well, Browder's I mean, ass. Well, I it's Ben Browder. We're not going to have no ass. Yes. So this has been your weekly ass check. <laughs> so back on the ship, before they take off, Zan is talking to Kier on the communicator. And he's like, hey, thank you for giving me a choice. I chose to put the gauntlet back on. And she's like, oh. And the look on her face, it's just like... You didn't care about choice at all. You only cared about choice if he made the choice you wanted. And then it does a sad pullback from her and she's like, no sermons. Which is a reference to earlier him saying that he didn't want to hear any sermons. So I've really liked a lot of, we didn't talk about it as much as I meant to, but I really liked a lot of the shot composition in this episode. There was a lot of really good from down low shots. Mm-hmm. Which I think worked for this episode, especially since this was a Rigel-focused episode, even though it wasn't, like, from his point of view or anything. Yeah. I, um, I liked, I liked a lot of the music choices in this episode, even the ones that were kind of weird. I, you know what? I really love this episode. Yeah, I think this is a really good episode. I remembered it being, because this is one of the, like, few that you showed me before we started doing this uh-huh. and i remember thinking about rigel being in prison as like the main plot but it, it's really more of a subplot i mean it gets the main plot going yeah but it we really don't get a ton of scenes of him actually in prison it's true we don't which which is funny i i i, I forgot that as well i i was thinking of there being more rigel in prison too until we started talking about it you know scene by scene but yeah i i, I did like this episode a lot even though it focused on one of my two least favorite characters. I mean, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, Rigel's not like Dargo. I'm not going to be like, oh, you're going to come to love Rigel. He's Rigel's Rigel. Mm. So let's talk about our segments. All right. So our first segment is a distant part of the universe. A distant part of the universe. Which is what was the best world building alien thing in this episode? Okay. So I don't know if I'd say 
it is a world building thing but what really struck me as alien uh-huh uh was i'm i'm sure they were just natural plants that were in the area but the prominence of blue just in the flora on the planet that they went to there were so many blue plants that made me like oh yeah this is an alien world yeah you know we didn't talk about it but the place that they landed did not feel like they were somewhere in Vancouver. I've never been to Australia, so maybe it's what Australia looks like all the time. Mm. But yeah, it it did look like an alien planet. Yeah, and it was just something as simple as there being a lot of bright blue plants around that made you think, oh, this is not an Earth place. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, for me, it was the thing with the blood running clear with Dargo. That is a good world-building thing. Just a completely different alien physiology. Hmm. Our second segment is strange alien creatures. Okay, I'm assuming we both have the same you one. You know what? I think for every week we're probably going to have the same one. Yeah. It's where we just get to, to gush about how great the puppets were. Yeah. And it does remind me of the last episode how you never really see the full, in that case, alien queen. In this episode, you don't really see the full what's-his-bucket the Jothib Jothib from the consortium of Traub yeah you don't really see him but you see pieces of him and it gives this very intense very visceral picture of the alien whole and I mean unlike the unlike the alien queen that we we only saw like brief glimpses of we do see a lot more of Jothib and the glowing eyes and the tentacles and and the multi-throated speaking he was i he was a great puppet he was great for this episode yeah and our final segment is looking for a way home which is which part of the episode kind of spoke to you because so for me it was weirdly a rigel moment i don't know how many of those are going to be my looking for a way homes but rigel's moment when he talks about how when he's laughing about how no one will come to save him and then he makes himself sad and he realizes nobody likes him he's the kind of person nobody would want to come save i'm i'm not really sure if i had one there were lots of little things i liked i the episode this is entirely on the puppeteer but it made me feel bad for rigel like which things don't normally do the whole him realizing how alone and unloved he is is a pretty emotionally impactful scene even if I felt bad for him, but it did not make me like him more. This episode definitely had more comedic moments than touching moments. That is true. Yeah, because John was really on fire here. I loved him repeatedly failing the bluff checks. It's such a and great scene. And it was just scene. like rapid fire. He, I could just see him with a DM. Like, I do a bluff check. I do a bluff check. <laughs> I do a bluff check. <laughs> and I... I'm interested in you saying that you didn't feel for Rigel, though, because I'm very curious to see your reaction when we get to the Durka episodes. All right. Yeah. So I think that'll about do it. Yeah. So uh, next week's episode is back and back and back to the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the synopsis is the crew comes across a ship that is molecularly destabilizing. Dargo makes everyone bring the ship's escape pod aboard when he discovers that the ship's passengers are Ilanix, a longtime ally of the Luxons. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so until next week, our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We like to thank our current 
$5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any television at all, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.